Okay, we'll we'll go ahead and and get started this evening. But thank thank you all for coming. And uh, this is our our third Wednesday of of looking at the promises of God and and how they can help effectively deal with uh, some of the things we we've been talking about the first week: fear, and and then we looked at discouragement last week and then tonight we're going to look at loneliness so um, something we we have all struggled with I'm I'm sure either presently or in the past or know people that do but uh, let me go ahead and pray uh, first to open us up and then after we do that we'll have our our time together in in the word and, and looking at um, loneliness and then Jeff will come and have our prayer time have our prayer time at the end but um, Brother Tom just mentioned a request, Jeff, that you don't have, but I'll, um, I'll, I'll pray for Gary, Gary Norris, as, as we open up, and a friend of Tom's that is a pastor, had hernia uh, surgery, and now there's infection, and um, just is, is really, really asked for our prayers. They're good friends of George and Penny Keesler. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer to open. Father, we come before you this evening just so uh, grateful for another Wednesday evening to come and to open your word, Father. We're um, grateful for all that's going on here at, at Hillcrest in the month of July and our, our Bible study time here and, and what you're showing us, Father, and in, in dealing with these uh, issues that, that really uh, affect all of us, uh, what we're calling the, the, the giants that tend to come along in our life, those things that Satan will use to, to discourage um, those that belong to him. And, and Father, your promises and your word show us how we can combat that, and we're, we're grateful for that. Father, we, we do want to lift up, as um, Brother Tom mentioned, Gary Norris, his friend and good friends of George and Penny Keesler's. And um, Father, Gary is a faithful pastor, and just like uh, Pastor Lloyd-Jones, who we've been uh, praying for, and uh, we'll get an update on his family in our prayer time uh, this evening. But want to lift um, Pastor Norris up to you, Father. Just pray for healing for him. Just Father, for um, just the, this infection that he's, that he's going through and this blockage, um, we just pray, pray for him, just pray for healing so that he can continue to do his work as a faithful man of God. And again, bless uh, the rest of this time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, as, as I mentioned, the, um, the information that I'm going to be sharing tonight and shared the last couple nights, most of this comes from a book, Slaying the Giants in Your Life. Pastor David Jeremiah is the author of that book, and uh, so that's where most of the material comes from, if, if you all are interested in getting a copy of that book. But um, tonight, as I mentioned, our, our topic is loneliness. Uh, so what, what is it? Uh, what is loneliness defined? Um, it's, I think we all know it is that sick feeling in our stomach and that Pepto-Bismol won't take care of. I mean, it's one of those that um, kind of lingers on. And it's an anxiety that, that doesn't come, um, come or go, but always seems to remain, remain there with us and uh, just kind of smothering us and wakes us, can even wake us up at night. It's a subtle stress that quietly wears us down 
until we feel devoid of energy or enthusiasm. Above all, loneliness is a longing for completeness, is really what loneliness is. Um, loneliness is not solitude. Sometimes people uh, really confuse it with, with being alone or, or just solitude. Um, but loneliness is marked by feelings of isolation despite wanting social connections. So most of the time when someone is lonely, they don't want to be lonely. They, they desire uh, the social connections and friendships, but uh, they, they just are, are going through a tough time in dealing with that. It is usually perceived as an involuntary separation, rejection, or abandonment by others, where solitude, solitude on the other hand, is voluntary. People who enjoy, enjoy spending time by themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that, and people getting away and, and enjoying solitude, it, that's different from someone being really hampered uh, by, by the, um, the effects of loneliness. We see um, that getting away or being in solitude can be good for us. Uh, a good example is Jesus in, in John uh, 6.15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and, and take him by, um, by force, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So we see uh, several examples of even Jesus getting al- alone, um, but it, again, loneliness not solitude. Loneliness is not being lonesome. You know, there's a lot of times that we can be lonesome missing a loved one because of separation that they're, they're out of town or on, on a trip, uh, but, it, but it's temporary, and we know that person will, will be back. So we're not talking about that kind of loneliness. Loneliness is not isolation. We can be lonely in a crowd. One person has said a city is a place where hundreds of people are lonely together. I mean, don't you see that? And just um, walking down any, any busy street in any major town, we see a, a lot of uh, lonely, lonely faces and lonely people. You'll find lonely people in a variety of different places, in, in churches, in, in restaurants, movie theaters, and even in, in big crowds. Loneliness is an inward feeling that we're, that we're unneeded, uncared for, unwanted, and unnoticed. The psalmist in, in 102.7, he says, I lie awake, I am a lonely sparrow on the housetop. That's, so that's, that's pretty lonely, comparing himself to, um, to a lonely sparrow on a housetop. Lonely people tend to, to try to fill the emptiness with, with food and, and drink and drugs and work. There's a lot of things that people try to fill, fill that with. Um, they even strain relationships they do have by placing obsessive demands on those relationships. They flee into fantasy worlds or into new cities or businesses or change churches or um, after a new or a better relationship. Some handle loneliness, even this is a tragedy, by taking their own lives. The uptick in uh, teenage suicide uh, just through the, the loneliness that that teenagers uh, go through is uh, just on the rise. Psychology Today estimates that over 40% of us will feel loneliness at some point in our lives. That's 40%. There's no more destructive influence on physical and and mental health than the isolation from you to me, from us, us to each other. When surveys are taken 
uh, to discover the central concerns of, of society or um, uh, people in general. Loneliness nearly always tops the list. We're created for fellowship, and deprival of that is, is deadly and can be deadly. What, what did we see during uh, COVID and, you know, people being isolated from each other and the loneliness that, that we, we saw all around us within families and, and friends and people ruining their health, turning to, to alcohol and, and drugs or substance abuse be, because of that isolation. There is, um, there's an epitaph on a graveside of a woman in a small town in Texas. It has no dates of birth or death on it, just the name of the woman and her two husbands. I want to read, read this to you. It says, uh, sleeps but rests not, love but love not, tried to please but please not, died as she lived alone. This chilling reality is that if epitaphs were, were always so honest, I think there are, our grave sites would be filled of, of sorrowful and lonely words like, like that, that woman's. Uh, Morris West has written, um, written this. I think this describes loneliness pretty well. It comes to all of us sooner or later. Friends die. Families, family dies. Lovers and husbands too. We get old. We get sick. In a society where people live in impersonal cities or suburbs, where electronic entertainment often replaces one-to-one conversation. Isn't that the world we live in? Where people move from job to job, state to state, and marriage to marriage. Loneliness has become an epidemic. So in your outline here, um, Dylan, we'll, we'll put that up, but there's, first of all, I wanted to look at who, who is lonely. Um, different stages in our lives, we can face different, um, different types of loneliness, and, and we see there's a, there's a variety of people that suffer from this. First of all, I want to look at the lonely single. Going home to an empty house or apartment uh, night after night can be a lonely lifestyle. That's hence the popularity of, of uh, singles bars and, and clubs that are, that are so uh, busy and, and well attended. Uh, it's just one indication of how desperate many single people are to conquer loneliness, just meeting someone, anyone to, to talk to. Being a Christian helps. It, it helps a, a single believer. In, in Christ, they have spiritual resources to draw from in times of loneliness, but that, that still, um, the, the you still see loneliness in, in spite of that, even among believers. And we see in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. And, you know, this does not particularly mean marriage or marriage exclusively, but in the in presence of other people. We are, we are made, made for each other uh, to be in relationship. And then you have the, the lonely spouse. We say, well, someone's married, how can they be that lonely? Well, it's, one, it's um, more than 60% of lonely people are, are married, are married people. Out of that 40% I mentioned, 60% of them are married. Um, in a marriage, loneliness depends entirely on the quality of the relationship. An emotional disconnection from your spouse can lead to loneliness. 
And again, more than 60% of lonely people are married. When married couples no longer share their deepest feelings, their thoughts and experiences with one another, it can leave them feeling disconnected and alone. People in such relationships truly believe their spouse cannot offer them the deep connection that they feel they deserve or would like. David Jeremiah, as I mentioned his book, shares in his book this letter he received after he, after he spoke on loneliness in, in marriage. Let me just read this. Uh, she writes, Today you really uh, struck a, a spot that is sensitive in my heart. She says, I try not to dwell on it, the loneliness in marriage. But the truth is I'm lonely. My husband and I are both Christians. We live relatively well. We are educated. My husband's a good man. He works hard and is a good provider. He isn't abusive, and he's a fairly good father. But ours is the case of two people living parallel but never really meeting at all. He has heard and and read a little about how a husband can uh, create a good relationship with his wife, but it must all just uh, have passed him by. I I try, she says, I try not to think about it, but the hurt is deep. I'm a very lonely person. How sad that is that the very relationship that God God ordained to combat loneliness has become many the most loneliest place on earth. And then the the next one is the the lonely survivor. There are are lonely survivors, the, um, the spouses who live on after a loved one has died. Lonely survivors experience the kind of pain which I am told, and, and I've experienced it not just in, in me, but in, in um, watching Sylvia and, and her husband pass away and others that we know that have lost, even in this room, that, that have seen that and walked through that with people. But the, uh, the intenseness of that loss, there's nothing in life to which it can be pa- compared. But while the death of a spouse is, is really uh, heartbreaking, at least it, it has some closure. You know, the other kind of loneliness here in, in divorce, that's a, a loneliness producer. And, and that's one that is probably even worse because there's no finality. It's an open wound that rarely heals completely. Not only is there physical and emotional loneliness to contend with, but a sense of rejection as well in, in um, marriages that end up in divorce. And then the next one, how about the lonely senior citizen? I mean, uh, we have, um, most of us in here have, have dealt with that, with lonely parents or, uh, in, in my case, in, in my dad and in an assisted living place. And not only his loneliness, but all those around him that have just been dropped off in, the, in these places with no, no family or, or really no one to go see them. But, you know, this is a fast-growing part of our population there is senior citizens. The sense of loneliness that sets in with seniors is significant. Often they have lost a spouse or, and their, their children have, have moved away. Um, but there's another kind of loneliness they feel, and that's the, the loneliness of not being significant anymore. You, you know, how, how many of them, and I know my, my dad, just before his dementia got to, to where it is today, just his, his, um, 
his thoughts and mind were on work and and being productive and you, you know his mind would go to you know what what needs to be done or the men on the job or just that constant needing needing um that that significance and and so many of them along with losing the personal contact have lost that that significance Searching for and finding a purpose in the twilight years of life is, is a great challenge. That's why it's so important, Tom, with ministries like your, uh, your friend George and Penny have to, to nursing homes and, and for us to continue to encourage not only, not only parents but the, the elderly to, I mean, they've done, uh, they've done so much and so much for us and have accomplished so much in, in, in the church and in the workplace and we can, we can build them up. We can encourage them in their the loneliness and help them find significance. And then how about the lonely sufferer? There is a lonely sufferer who experiences the pain he cannot describe to anyone else. Uh, I'm talking here phys- physical pain or emotional pain. Sometimes even in a busy place like a hospital, you, you know, what, what about the, the person laying there in a hospital um, room and, you know, the, the family goes home at night and they're suffering from a diag- uh, or have a diagnosis that they're, that they're unsure of and, and loneliness can, can, really, um, can really take hold. Loneliness can be compounded by suffering. The, lo- uh, the loneliness Job felt was not just because he had lost his family, which he certainly was lonely because of that, but he was suffering physically at the same time in the, in the midst, in the midst of that loss. And then the lonely servant of God. This is the last category we'll, we'll look at, and then we'll look at some scriptural examples of loneliness. But the lonely servant of God, what, what about the missionaries who, who leave a familiar culture and go to the mission field? Every, everything that they leave behind that has prevented loneliness is, is, really, is, is gone. Um, they go into a, a new culture where everything's different. The food, the language, the, the customs, um, they don't know anyone. So it's a, it's a tough time. It takes more time to establish those relationships in a, in a, um, in a, in a place, especially in a, in a foreign country. Leadership can be a lonely place. Moses, even though uh, a great man of God th- that he was, um, just a brilliant leader who led millions of Israelites out of Egypt, what do we know about him? We, we know that he desired at one point for God just to take his life. Yeah, that's in, in Numbers eleven fifteen. Moses asked God in, in Numbers eleven uh, fifteen. Is, this is how you're going to treat me. Please go ahead and, and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do, lot, do not let me face my own ruin. Why did Moses ask that? And in, in well, Numbers 11:14 explains this. He said, "I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden, the burden is too heavy for me." Moses received this, this uh, great task from, from God in, 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 in being, um, being the minister to, to all these people, and he was, he, was trying to carry, he was trying to carry that burden alone. And, and he, in him doing that, uh, he, he suffered from loneliness. People at the top often feel lonely because they think no one can understand or, or no one else can uh, fulfill their responsibilities. 
We find other great heroes of the faith in Scripture who experienced loneliness. Unlike fear that we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago where, you know, fear um, is, is evident in the Bible that we are to fear not. Remember, 366 times, and if we, we continue to fear, that is, is sin. Loneliness is, is it's not a sin. It's not a sin to be lonely. It can, lead to, it can lead to sin if we dwell there and, and waller in self-pity and, and blame God. But um, it's not a sin to be lonely. We see great men and women of God have battled loneliness. But, it, but it's not a sin to experience those feelings from time to time. Seeing that others have been lonely can help us understand that we're not alone in, in our feelings. So before we look at some examples, it kind of really starts with Adam and Eve. You, you know, they, um, they, there were just the two of them, right, before, before sin. Uh, we don't see that they were very lonely with just them and, and God and enjoying God's creation in the garden and, and the, you know, the animals that they got to name and, um, you, you know, and, and it just kept them busy. And, and they weren't lonely. They never, never felt lonely. Sin had not polluted them with selfishness and, and indifference. But when sin entered, entered through them, it, and it was different. Their relationship with God um, w- was different. They, um, the, the, the sin, the sin, when sin entered, it, j- it changed everything. This broken relationship often results in loneliness. Since the fall, humans, including prominent figures in the Bible, have experienced loneliness. Let's look at, let's look at a few of them. Um, I'd like to look first at, at David. We looked at him last week when we talked about the, um, the discouragement. But we can also look at him when it deals with, when we uh, talk about loneliness. Last week in the message Battling Discouragement, the first point in responding to discouragement was to cry out to God. When David was o- overwhelmed, with thoughts of discouragement from worry, remember we talked about he wrote them down, and that's what we have today in a book known as the Psalms. And he was brutally honest about that and about his discouragement. As, as we see in these passages, these couple I'll mention, we see how open he was, too, about his loneliness. In Psalm 102, 3 and 6 and 7, I'll, do, I'll read these. You can jot those down and Go back and look at those or, or look, in, look at that with me. But, and we'll look at a couple of them here in Psalms. In 102, verse 3, 6, and 7. For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. I am like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. And then Psalm 142 Verse 4, look to the right and see, there is none who takes notice of me, no refuge remains to me, no one cares for my soul. You know, in in these Psalms and and others, you can almost feel the edge uh, of David's pain as he describes it and describes his feelings uh, so, um, so accurately and so honestly. David, uh, he's writing this. We know David was hounded um, all over the Judean wilderness by Saul. Remember Saul chasing him down and and trying to take his life uh, really up until 
uh, he was um, anointed king. He, he, he was on the run. When we read about David's loneliness, it should comfort us to know that he survived it. He trusted in God in, in the midst of the loneliness that he faced. How about Jeremiah the prophet? You know, we, uh, how many of the prophets do we see? Jeremiah certainly being one of them that felt uh, pain of rejection and loneliness. You know, the, the Lord told Jeremiah not, not to marry. You know, he could, he could never marry because of the, the message he was bringing and, and what was going to happen to Israel and them going into captivity. And as a prophet, he was commanded not to marry. He had very few friends. Scholars referred to Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. God called him to speak out against the sinfulness of Judah and warn them of the impending judgment. We see in Jeremiah 15, 17 through 19, this captures the prophet speaking to God about his loneliness. He says in there, uh, talks about his unending pain and suffering. He even went so far in in verse uh, 19 of uh, saying this about God, that he was like a deceptive brook. And that was kind of bordering on the line of, of sin. He went a, little, went a little far there, and God had to rebuke him for that. But uh, Jeremiah did re- repent and ultimately trusted the Lord and followed God's life um, despite of the pain that, that he was suffering. How about Elijah? Elijah the prophet. He was a, another one, just like Moses. He, he wanted to die. That's how bad... It was for, for Elijah. You remember when Jezebel had him on the, on the run? And in 1 Kings 19.4 is, is where we find this. And I'll, I'll read, read from this. Um, he, he went a day's journey. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Just, just take my life. I, I am no better than my ancestors. Why was he in such despair? You know, yeah, he was being chased by, by Jezebel, but that wasn't, the, that wasn't the main reason. Verse 10 tell, tells us um, why. Elijah, uh, why he felt alone. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. It says in verse 10, The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And he said, here it is, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So what did Elijah think? Um, as he was fighting against uh, the prophets of Baal, he thought he was alone. He, he felt lonely. But in verse 18, God tells him, yet I reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah didn't know that there were still 7,000 out there, just, just like he was, that were, they were standing, uh, standing in the gap. They were standing against Baal. <clears throat> Even though Elijah was a great prophet, he still needed encouragement. You know, sadly, we don't see uh, those 7,000 prophets. We don't see them being an encouragement, for whatever reason, to Elijah. That, that didn't happen that's a good reminder for us, and when we look at when we look at today at, at pastors and, and and Christian leaders, they also need to know they're they're not alone in carrying out the work of God. In you know, Barner uh, research in 2021 discovered this that uh, this survey that 61% of pastors are lonely and have few close friends. That number su- surprised me, but 61% of pastors. 
The loneliest people in churches are often pastors. We need to make sure that we're coming alongside them and their families and just in holding them up in prayer and support. And um, I'm just thankful that we have a church here at, at Hillcrest that, that does that. But so many pastors and, and church leaders don't, don't have that. And then, um, and finally here, let's, let's look at one, one more, the, the Apostle Paul. You know, we, we, uh, could, could someone like Paul yeah, become lonely? Well, he, he can. Someone that wrote most of the New Testament, founded missionary churches all over the Mediterranean world, penned what we just went through in, in Romans, the, some call the greatest theological treaty of all time in, in Romans. Um, on occasion, he did suffer from loneliness. Paul's last letter before his death was to his protege, Timothy. It was written from a Roman prison, not like the first time he was in prison, which was really house arrest. This was from a, this was from a Ro Roman dungeon, <laughs> you know, not a very, uh, not a very good, good place to be in very, very poor condition. But these are the words he wrote to Timothy, which give ev evidence of his loneliness. This is found in, in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 16. And Paul writes, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and, and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, and get this, at his first defense, no one, no one came to stand by him, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. We can feel this uh, great apostle standing alone there at the end, at the end of his life. No one was with him but, but Luke. We would think that that couldn't happen um, to someone like Paul, but it did. We sense no resentment of Paul's words, in his words, only the fact of his aloneness. When loneliness sweeps over us like, like a wave, remember, you're not the first person to have been lonely. When we look at these examples, we, we see uh, godly men and women um, that have been, not the first person or the first Christians. As we, as we said, it's not a sin to be lonely, but it be, can, can become sin if we in, indulge in it and if we allow it to turn into self-pity. God has given us a, a way to escape from loneliness before it becomes that downward spiral that pulls us down with it. And that's what we want to look at in our uh, last uh, time together here. It's the, the escape from loneliness. There's four ways that I want to look at to defend yourself from the power of it, from the power of loneliness. The first is to acknowledge the reality of the loneliness. The first thing you need to do is be honest about your feelings. And the last thing we need to do is resort to pious platitudes that we so often have a tendency to do as, as, as believers, and um, especially those that have been believers for a long time. 
Loneliness is real and, and painful. Christians have made an art of denying the reality of some parts of life. Because it seems unspiritual to confess to being lonely, many cr- Christians will quote verses like we see in uh, Hebrews 13.5 that says, that say, I will never leave you nor forsake you and profess that they are never lonely because he's always with them. Well, that, that is true. And we're going to look at that a little closer, but that still doesn't mean that we're going to fight times of loneliness. A.W. Tozer had some in, instructive words about the superficial gloss which, which uh, we tend to coat some of these problems with a, as believers. Some say brightly, oh, I am never lonely. Christ said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And lo, I am with you always. So how can I ever be lonely when Jesus is with me? Now, this is A.W. Tozer. Now, I don't want to reflect on the sincerity of any Christian soul. But, the stark, uh, but this stock testimony is too neat to be real. It is obviously what the speaker thinks should be true rather than what he has proved to be true by the test of, of experience. Theologically, we know that it's true that Christ is always with the believer, but our practice does not always match our position in that. It's more honest and, and transparent and real to simply say, as, as a believer, if we're going through a lonely time, yes, I'm lonely at this time in my life, than to deny the reality of it. Human beings experience loneliness at times, and there's, there's no shame in a Christian ad- admitting that. And secondly, is to accept God's provision for our loneliness. We need to remember and this is so important that only God can ultimately solve our problems, including this one of loneliness. When something's broken, what do we do? We consult the original manufacturer. Sometimes we have to go back to them for a solution. As human beings, we know that God is our original manufacturer. He created us in, in His image, and He created us with certain attributes. And, and one of those is, and we've all heard this, is with that emptiness inside of us or that loneliness that only he can fill only he can fill that nothing this world or another person has to offer can fill that void only the one who made us can truly satisfy so the most basic of loneliness of humanity is the is the loneliness of the estrangement from god that's that's the most basic and that is the most uh that 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 is the most obviously the the most devastating loneliness that we could have it has no remedy but one there's only one remedy the way a person handles adversity including loneliness it it is a good indicator of whether they're walking with the Lord or not it's how we respond and deal with it if a person lacks uh, any inner strength at all of a godly man or woman they'll buckle under the stress and, and strife and the struggle They'll lack the most basic resource for dealing with the most basic problem. But if we know him as our Lord and Savior, we're we're connected to that person who came into the world and and hung on the cross and experienced the ultimate form of loneliness so that we wouldn't have to experience it. Matthew 27, uh, verse 46. Let Let me read that. And this is um, right at the end in, in Jesus on the cross. We hear the cry of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
At that moment, he carried the sin of, of you and everyone else on, on his shoulders. If it weren't for this sacrificial act of Jesus, we, we would all be ostracized into complete loneliness uh, from God's present forever, and, and we would be dead in our, our sins and transgressions. Jesus could have enjoyed unbroken fellowship with God because of his perfection. He didn't have to experience that ultimate loneliness that he experienced. Instead, he forfeited that unbroken fellowship for you and me. He took the punishment we had in store, which meant the black loneliness of God. Think about that moment on on the cross where Jesus bared it all, all the sin, all of our sin, and that lonely time when God in his perfect in his perfectness had to turn his back on his, on his son and Jesus had to experience that loneliness for us perfect light can have no fellowship with darkness and that's why that that had to happen there between God and his son and as believers we walk in the light we we can know God intimately It's possible to know liberation from loneliness in the warmth of his love. It happens as we embrace his lordship over us. And that's what being a believer and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior is, is is accepting his lordship over us. He takes residence within us. He fills that void. And we begin to know through that the peace and fulfillment and abundance. There still may be moments of loneliness, um, in, in disconnection, but the ultimate kind is no longer a threat to us. It's so important for us to acknowledge this point. If you don't know Jesus, there's nothing else that can be done. There's no other options available to overcome the most basic of all loneliness, which is that estrangement from God. If you don't know Jesus, any other type of loneliness um, should should not consume us. I mean, if 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 we do know Him, other types shouldn't consume us. They have uh, we have no reason to let them consume us. And and then the the next point is to allow God's Word to fill your mind and heart. Having the knowledge, um, having acknowledge our feelings, which we we saw that's it's important for us to do. Embracing our faith. We talked about that. After those, after those two things, we can immerse ourselves and should immerse ourselves in God's Word and let it overflow from our mind and, and our hearts. The voice of God will speak clarity to the lonely. We've, we looked at a couple scriptures, and I can, I'll, I'll um, give you a couple more. The Word of God will soothe and encourage you. Second, it, and the Word of God is second only to the presence of, of the Holy Spirit in one's life. And that is the presence of God's Word. It's an antidote to loneliness. And, and there are many wonderful passages. Psalm 2710 uh, gives this promise. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. That's Psalm 2710. Hebrews 3, 5, and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You may want to jot these down. We won't read through all these, but Isaiah 43, 2. Psalm uh, 34, 18. Zephaniah 3, 17. And Matthew 28, 20. 
are all great, great verses to uh, call on, and they're, they're all promises of God when we're dealing with loneliness. Like we said last week in one of the points in responding to discouragement, remember I had said go first uh, to God's Word but, and run there, don't walk. And that's the same, that's the same with uh, loneliness when we're, when we're feeling loneliness is to run to, to God's Word. And then lastly, the, the last point is activate your network of Christian friends. We should also in not only run to God's Word, but run to each other. Run to other Christian brothers and sisters. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's this promise in John, 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. So if we're walking in the light, we, we have that fellowship um, automatically, naturally with one another. You know, this is a hard statement, but, but true. Living in the house of loneliness, it, it's a choice. You may not have become lonely by choice, but remaining lonely and, and living there and dwelling there is something we don't have to do. The body of Christ exists to encourage and strengthen Christians. But if we refuse to get involved, it's difficult for that to happen. Each believer has to assume that responsibility uh, on their own. Um, assume it for their spiritual health um, and not linger in that loneliness. In a church like us here at Hillcrest, there are many doors through which we can enter into relationships of service and friendship through Sunday school and through D groups, discipleship groups that we, that we emphasize and encourage people to do through serving teams. But, but you must walk through that door. You, ha- you have to do it. You know, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And that's, that's what we do in our, in our uh, D groups and in uh, the, the groups of, of believers that meet together, that serve together. It's that, it's, it's that threefold cord that, that provides strength and encouragement. You know, and we, we should always be looking for, for the lonely, for the stray sheep. You know, those that come in our doors on a Sunday morning that are visiting that, um, that, that we don't know. You know, it's easy for us to congregate to the, the sheep we know and the sheep that congregate and that, that we see every week. But, but what, what about those that come through our door, especially those that come by ourselves? You know, there's probably some, some sort of loneliness that's going on there for, for, for them to be here. And so we, we need to be God's hands and, and feet and looking for those stray sheep when they come through our door. And I'll close with this. When we have Jesus living in us, even when the world will crumble around us and we fall into periods of loneliness, remember, He's the light from on high that encourages our hearts. It will enable us to look beyond our circumstances and into the face of the one who loves us and holds us in, in His loving arms. Okay, let me, let me pray. Father, we do come before you tonight um, as we wind up this little series uh, here the, uh, looking at some of these giants that we face as believers and tonight uh, dealing with, with loneliness. Father, that ultimate loneliness 
that we talked about, that estrangement from you. Father, I, uh, I, I pray for all those first and foremost, those that we know that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, that, um, that are lonely even if they don't think they're lonely. They're estranged from you. And, Father, that's the, the ultimate loneliness, that, um, Father, that those that don't know you need to, need to get resolved. And, Father, I just pray for, uh, for transformed hearts, for our family members, uh, friends that we know that are uh, lonely, that haven't accepted what, uh, what your son did on the cross for us, experiencing that ultimate loneliness, Father, when he took on um, all sin. And Father, uh, we just pray for, for those that, that, need to, that need to come to him once and for all, Father. Father, for those that are believers, I just pray that we're able to call on these promises um, and, and, Father, that we would not dwell in this loneliness. You don't want us to dwell there. Yes, it, it happens, and we see great men and women of God that uh, were lonely at times, but they didn't stay there. And, and, Father, I pray that we would find encouragement in that, that we would be encouragement to each other as we come together in, in D groups and just in our relationships that are growing deeper and stronger here as a body of believers. And Father, as we see new people come in, we see visitors come in that, um, you know, it's a good chance in looking at the statistics that we looked at tonight that they're uh, suffering from some form of loneliness. And we, we can be the, the church and the people that can help them through that. And Father, that's my prayer. Thank you for this time together. And uh, Father, as we go into your prayer time, we just pray that you would uh, just bless that as Jeff comes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.